1: old testament lesson is from the book of exodus chapter 17 all the congregation of the people of israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandment of the lord and camped at rephidim but there was no water for the people to drink therefore the people quarreled with moses and said give us water to drink and moses said to them why do you quarrel with me why do you test the lord but the people thirst there for water And the people grumbled against moses and said why did you bring us up out of egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst so moses cried to the lord what shall i do with these people they are almost ready to stone me and the lord said to moses pass on before the people taking with you some of the elders of israel and taking your hand the staff with which you struck the nile and go Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock of Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of the Lord.
2: Gospel according to Saint John, the fourth chapter. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman from Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty forever. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water dwelling up to eternal life. You now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. Will you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship? Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. This is the gospel of the Lord. Be seated and we invite the children for for the children's message. Mercy and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And Moses called the name of the place Sa and Mirabah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? This is our text. The people of Israel loved to grumble. I mean, you would never believe it from our reading from Exodus chapter 17, but two chapters previous to this in Exodus 15, Moses and the people were singing songs of victory over the defeat of Pharaoh, the drowning of his hosts in the Red Sea. Miriam and the women sing, sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously the horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. And almost immediately as the music died down, as the song ceased, the people of Israel began to grumble. And they grumble on the other side of the Red Sea in Exodus 16, where God, well, this is in Exodus 15, God provided uh, for them sweet water. He turned bitter water, the salt water, into sweet water. That's Exodus 15 on the other side. And then in Exodus 16, they continue the whole episode of grumbling. The whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, What, we have died at the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by Beat pots, and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. As soon as Israel got on the other side of the Red Sea, Israel did nothing but grumble. And you can hear that grumbling now in Exodus 17. You can hear the murmuring, grumble, grumble, grumble. And now we reach Exodus 17, more grumbling. Hear the grumbling here. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandment of the Lord and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? That word for uh, quarreling in Hebrew also means to bring a lawsuit. The people of Israel were putting not Moses on trial, they were putting God on trial. God was the one who had brought them out into the wilderness, God was the one who was leading them. They followed the commandment of the Lord, moving across. The wilderness of sin by stages, and now they are blaming God for leading them out into the desert and not providing for them water in the wilderness. And this is their complaint. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Why did you, God, you know, this complaint should sound familiar it echoes another complaint in the Pentateuch. From Genesis 3.12, the man Adam said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree and I ate. I mean, you could hear that accusative you in both of these statements, the blaming you. The Israelites blamed God for not providing for them water in the wilderness. Adam blames God for sinning. It is your fault, God. You did this to me. Prove to me that you are God. That blaming you, the constant refrain in the Old Testament. Throughout the Bible, this episode in Exodus 17 is a foundational warning for God's people to not test God. Moses reminds those entering into the promised land to not be like their fathers in Deuteronomy 6.16. For you shall not put the Lord your God to the test, as you tested him at Massah. This verse would be the verse that Jesus quotes against Satan. When Satan tempts Jesus in the wilderness to provide that accusative you against Satan, His heavenly Father. If your Father loves you, He will save you from falling off of the pinnacle, right? Again, Jesus does not give in to that temptation. Another verse, Psalm 78. Yet they sinned still more against Him, rebelling against the Most High in the desert. They tested God in their heart by demanding the food they craved. Then another verse, Psalm 95, which is also cited in the book of Hebrews. Do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day of Massah in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. The Israelites had seen God's work. See, the problem with the Israelites is that they did not believe that God was going to fulfill his promises. They didn't believe that God was going to bring them into the promised land. They looked around at their situation. They saw nothing but a desolate wasteland and thought that God couldn't deliver them from their situation or provide for their needs. They did not trust God's leadership. Now, what did the Israelites do here in Exodus? I want to separate that as a different category in the Bible from lament, right? Now, in in the Psalms of Lament and throughout the Scriptures, God's people do bring their complaints to God in the form of lament. You see this all the time in the Psalms. For instance, Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. Or Psalm 42. I say to God, my rock, have you Forgotten me in the psalms and in our prayers, we can certainly lament we can bring all of our complaints to God, and we can indeed even be angry with God, and we could be disappointed with God, and we could bring to God all of our hurts and we can bring to God all of our sorrows. He has the big shoulders to be able to to uh, bear it all for us He can handle anything that we throw at him. But what we do not do is we do not question God's good and gracious character. None of the Psalms of Lament question God's goodness. The psalmists and ourselves, we may not understand how God is going to get us out of any particular situation, but that he will and that he has the power to do so And we know that we have this power because Jesus has promised to us the resurrection from the dead. And we put God on trial when we don't believe that God is going to deliver us from the trials we face as the Israelites did. We put God to the test when we shift the blame of sin from ourselves to God as Adam did. We put God on trial when we question his leadership. As God's children, we're going to face adversity. That is a certainty in this sinful and fallen world. We will face temptations. We all have here hidden battles that nobody knows about. But when those trials, temptations, and battles come, do not harden your heart and say, It's your fault, God it's not fair. If you're really God, prove it to me. Or in the words of the Israelites, is the Lord among us or not? You know, when we say these things, we test God. We sin. We rebel against God's good and gracious rule. We tell God that his leadership is not good enough, that he can do better, and that he is powerless to solve our problems. Just hear the warnings from the scriptures. Do not test God, do not put him on trial. Yet, isn't that what God's people do in the end? Put God on trial? Jesus is put on trial. Jesus is brought before the court of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders, Caiaphas, the high priest, and all of the religious leaders who sat in the seat of Moses declared that God the son committed blasphemy. They accused their creator of breaking the very law that he wrote. I mean, do you get the irony? They looked their creator in the face and they told him that he had blasphemed against himself. They condemned the very word of God that stood before them in the flesh. And what was God, what was the verdict that God was given in his trial? What was that verdict? Crucify him. In our reading for today, behind Israel's rejection of Moses was the rejection of God's leadership. Yet how did God respond to the Israelites? He gave them water. He provided for them in the wilderness even though they did not deserve it. And he was present with them in all of their journeys through the wilderness. And even when they were unfaithful, God was always faithful to his promises. And today our faithful God is present with us in the person of Jesus. Jesus responds to his rejection by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And through his verdict, in his trial, Jesus gives to us, our rock gives to us, a lavish flood of grace that washes over each and every one of us with the complete and total forgiveness of all of our sins. When God is put on trial, when God, when God puts us on trial, we do not get what we deserve. You know, we deserve nothing but death and condemnation. We don't deserve to be in the presence of our good and gracious god when but when god puts us on trial he sees us through his son he sees us as holy and righteous just as his son is our lord sees us with his eyes of love and compassion and when god issues his verdict to you he issues the verdict not guilty on the account of the work of the Son of God. I mean, doesn't that news give you joy? Doesn't that move our hearts? Doesn't it put a smile on your face? You know, we have such a good and gracious God who humbled himself to the point of death, that he endured all these things, humiliation and death itself, so that you would be his precious and treasured possession. He is our rock and our anchor. His promises are always true and certain. You know, Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, now these things happened to them at Massah and Meribah as an example, but they are written down for our instruction on those on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he'll also provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. Our Lord calls on us that when temptation hits, when we're tempted to blame God or have him prove himself to us, that we are to cast all of our cares and anxieties onto his big shoulders. And then when we, when we think life is unfair, remember that God doesn't give you anything more than what God can handle. We ought to forget that our Lord created this whole universe, right? If he created this whole universe, he certainly is able to carry you through all of the battles, all of the hurts, and all of the pains of life. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus promises us that he'll be with us until the end of the ages. In the book of Hebrews, Jesus promises us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. And then when we cry as the psalmist cries in Psalm 42, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Remember what it took. Remember what it took for, for Jesus to make you his very own child. He died the death of a sinner. And rose in victory over pain, suffering, and death itself. He did this so that you will be his treasured possession forever. He is our rock, our anchor. His promises are always true and certain. You know, when when we're weary, and we're tired, you know, and there's days, you know, maybe it's like this morning, right? You know, we didn't want to even get out of bed, right? Because of time change, right? But there are days where we don't even wanna get out of bed and we're just tempted to say, is the Lord with us or not? Remember your baptism. Remember that in that baptismal battle, Jesus has already won that battle for you. He's already won it. He's done all the work for you. And he invites you today to rest in him and to rely on him for all things. Jesus says in the Gospel of Matthew, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Receive that rest in God's word today. Listen to God's promises to you today. Nothing will change those promises. Cast aside all grumbling and give praise to Jesus who promises to be with us until the end of the age. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, keep our hearts and minds in the one true faith until life everlasting. Amen.
3: I believe in God, the Father almighty,